0: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Am I supposed to talk now, Coos? Yeah. <laughs> I always like there's this hesitation because, like, all right, it's Coos going to play a soundbite here or not? But we do have audio roulette coming up. So I just wasn't sure. I love taking people behind the scenes sometimes. And, like, I was thinking about it. The last segment, not not this past segment, the, the one prior we were talking about London. And I was trying to, like, write something, like, tweet and just, like, uh, say, hey, we're, what do you think about London? That's what we try to do during the segments and what we're going to talk about. Sometimes I tweet something and we never talk about it because we get on something else. It does happen. But, Try to share it, get you engaged in the conversation if you are watching on the video feeds, uh, especially Twitter. It's easier to do it on Twitter than it is on like Facebook and, and even YouTube. Uh, but we appreciate you listening and watching on all the different platforms. And so I was just thinking, oh, it's just like, I stop, I hesitate to talk, cause while I'm tweeting. Because, like, I can't, I'm trying to say something, and I'm trying to write something. And they're two different things. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I've got two different thoughts. Like, I need, like, the left side of my brain to talk, and the right side to type. And, uh, or, or text, or whatever. And, uh, and I just can't seem to do it. It's, it's almost reminds me of, uh, were you one of those guys that could like pat the top of your head and rub your belly?
1: No, I I was not. I can't even I can't even like think about anything other than what I'm saying if I'm trying to say something, <laughs> yeah. and it'll get all kinds <laughs> of messed up.
0: Yeah, I know it. Uh, uh, just uh, it's funny. So apologies if you hear a little like uh, me. Why can't you spit the sentence out? It's probably because well, one, I just either can't spit the sentence out, or two, mm-hmm. I'm uh, teasing our next segment. <laughs> That's what, and it's even harder. I will say that it's the most challenging part of doing the show on your own because I can toss it over to Austin. I'm really taking the inside baseball here, folks. But I can toss it over to Austin, and while he's talking a little bit, I can kind of finish my thought and share the message via Twitter, Coos. Mm-hmm. So what we're getting at here is you do a great job producing. we got you running all around. The station's got you all over the place. You're on, like, 15 different stations. But we need one more person. <laughs> To be like the right side of my brain, so we can share these things out on on our, on our social media.
1: We platform. can we can hire an intern and just have them be our
0: tweeter. Well, listen, I could, I I would be okay with that. I would be okay with that if we could uh, if we could find that person. It's tough in a COVID world to, yeah. to do that. But uh, but anyway, well, we're getting along just fine. Hope you're doing well here on a Friday. TPC Sawgrass Players Championship. Uh, a couple guys tied for the lead at eight under par: Lee Westwood, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and uh, plenty behind. So uh, there's a lot going on here at the players. It's going to be a heck of a weekend. Who makes the cut? Who doesn't? Make sure you check out the TV side of things coming up. Uh, tonight on uh, CBS 47 and Fox 30 1115. We'll do a 15 minute show. We've got half hours worth of shows every Saturday and Sunday all year long and that includes this weekend coming up with the players. So uh, we will be here and have it covered for you on the TV side. We've been talking a little bit of golf. We'll talk a little bit more. Uh, I want to ask you about Bryson DeChambeau. You're rooting for him going into the weekend. He's two shots off the lead. But we also talk a heck of a lot about football around here. If you're just catching up, if you're just leaving work, if you're just jumping in your car, Urban Meyer out at the players today. We've talked a lot about urban uh, and what he had to say and while it wasn't anything earth shattering it was still very transparent forthcoming and a little bit of insight into the next week or so when free agency hits for the jacksonville jaguars uh it is on the horizon it is almost here it's going to be a big week for urban meyer and this franchise on the way but he did stop out did some media uh we got a chance to meet him the local media did at least for for a quick couple minutes and uh, urban meyer is um you know Time to put the head down and and get ready for uh, free agency. It's going to be a wild 24, 48, 72 hours for the Jags with a lot of money to spend. And those early days of free agency can be a flurry. Uh, To recap, probably the most poignant thing he said, two things. We can't screw this up, meaning the opportunity they have with all the money, the draft picks, everything else. And he also said he is very uncomfortable with the idea that he can't really meet these guys, know these guys before they sign and and spend a whole lot of money on them. He's uncomfortable with that. That's new to him, and he's going to have to adapt. And it's just the way it is, uh, especially in the early stages of free agency and in a COVID world where you can't have people in for visits, too. But free agency always is like that in the first 24, 48 hours. The blockbuster guys, you don't get to know them too well. Uh, you know they can, they're can; they good players and you're about to spend money, but that's about it. And so that's just the nature of it is uh, with uh, free agency in the NFL. Kuz, you asked a question earlier in the show uh about uh is this like the event that you look forward to the most you also mentioned an event in St Augustine that you look forward to the most are there a lot of events that people kind of look forward to like Austin brings up World of Nations a lot like he's been there mm-hmm. uh i'm not, we're not talking about like concerts okay if somebody special is coming to a concert we're talking about like annual events in the <laughs> Jacksonville area like I, I you know what comes to mind uh what is it uh shrimp fest is that what they call it up in yeah. Amelia what, is that Amelia? Yeah, yeah. Shrimp Amelia, class, right? Yep. Yeah, so that comes to mind. I've never been, but I always what's say the, I want to um, go.
1: What's the uh, one that's right by uh, Lemon Bar around Thanksgiving? Don't they shut down the whole street and do a whole thing there?
0: Yeah, I think Austin's been there mm-hmm. quite a bit, right? I forget um, the name of it. He says that. Uh, it's at, like, right near Lynch's and –
1: Yeah, Pete's. Uh, yeah, it's, like, Pete's, right there. Yeah. yeah. I just – I can't remember the name of it. I when, don't even – is there an actual name to that? Yeah, oh, yeah. There's a name to it because okay. they shut down the whole – they would shut down that whole area and everyone's just out in the street. Partying essentially, and it's on Thanksgiving. I just don't know the name, I can't remember.
0: Uh, yeah, I got you. So, uh, I thought it was a good question. Listen, the obvious ones for us like, I really enjoy this week, okay? Mm-hmm. I like golf, but it's not even I'm not as big a golf nerd as I think a lot of people think I am. I really do enjoy golf, but I like it just because the area comes to life. And for me, there's two occasions that Jacksonville seems to come alive that you can feel it doesn't matter where you are in the city or in surrounding parts, but you know it's happening. And the players is one, and you get to boast about this area in a very positive way for people all across the world. Like I don't think people understand and grasp how many people around the world are watching this event, not just in the States, not just in Jacksonville, not just in Florida. This is not just a golf thing. Uh, people around the world are watching this event, and it showcases you know, Jacksonville area, Ponte Vedra, this golf course, and, and everything else. And it always looks so beautiful. So it's a great image for Jacksonville. The other time is Florida-Georgia, or Georgia-Florida, week. That's another time when around the country, people know that game. They know the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And the city comes to life. Everybody knows what's going on. So I like those two parts because of that. Like, I'm not sure there's an event outside of these two sporting events that every that gains that much attention. Right, that everybody kind of works their calendar year around, and they know, okay, we can't do too much that week because the traffic's going to be heavy in Ponte Vedra or on US 1, or uh, we've got to move high school football games around because of Florida Georgia week. There's not enough security to go around. You know, Coos, I don't know if there's even an event that does that. Uh, you know, we have some great events. I mean, the Gate River Run. You just mentioned other events outside of sports. But uh, these two events are so premier because of the, uh, I guess, widespread reach that they that they bring with it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, uh, that's kind of why I put that out there. I was like, these two between players and and Georgia, Florida, or Florida, Georgia. Those ones are the ones that are definitely going to be the biggest. So I figured. In terms of how many responses I was going to get, if you took the average, those two would probably be the top two on the list. Yeah, and um, then I mean, obviously, like I, you know, you know me, like I look forward to the ugly sweater bar crawl every year. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, like there's I little think things people like have that. that too. Yeah,
0: that's what makes the, this area kind of cool too. I think there's a lot of those events. Yeah, you know, those l- I would say little. I don't mean to. Um, Lessen them in any way. They're special to the people, but they're just not coming out in masses. Uh, but I think there's a lot of events like that, which is kind of cool, uh, and things that I don't even know exist that I probably should go to. You know, I think um, we we all probably feel that way that you just can't get to everything mm-hmm. uh, but i think there's a lot of the like austin brings up events sometimes i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> like they go to a lot of cool events like that whether it's in riverside or wherever it might be and i'm like i didn't even know that existed yeah so uh, i think that's cool that's a that's a good once we get the kids out of the house off to school maybe i'll start going to those events oh. um, I'll, I'll act like i'm even older than i already am <laughs> um, so uh, hey tom brady uh real quick thought on football before we get to an interview i did Uh, about urban meyer and tom brady signs an extension with the tampa bay bucks here's what this move is all about it's about saving 19 million dollars on the cap it's about rearranging money patrick mahomes is kind of doing the same thing these teams are really strapped against the cap i mean they they made a run to the super bowl those two teams that i mentioned but kansas city because the cap lowers because they have some big contracts because their quarterback is making a ton of money they had to make moves like By Eric Fisher, by Schwartz. They lose both their tackles. Now they have to kind of adjust Mahomes' contract. Again, these aren't big deals, the restructures, I don't think. But they certainly give room for the team to maneuver and maybe sign more players. And Patrick Mahomes kind of gets it, I think. I don't think this was contentious anyway. I don't think he's bothered by it in any way. He's not going to lose money in any way. So it's fine. I think the players don't have a big problem, especially those contending teams, because they know, hey, if we can get one more guy in here because I do this, we got a better chance of winning. Tom Brady is the epitome of that. He has done that for the last seemingly 10 years of his career. But he essentially has like this four-year extension, I think. it. They say it's through, good through 22, but then somewhere I saw it could be like a four-year thing. Either way, even if it's just good through 22 – That's two more years, 44-45. I do wonder if that's it. He always threw out the number 45 when he was in New England. Does he just try to play next year? Does it start going downhill? Can he keep it riding like he has uh, for so long now? Can he still play at a high level, an elite level, have fun without getting injured? Is it an injury that knocks him out and says, hey, I'm done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to rehab. That happens to players. So, I think there's a two-year window now in sight for the for the light at the end of the tunnel for Tom Brady. I think this latest extension, again, which was more of a move money around thing, but this latest extension could get him to 45. And if you go back and read Tom Brady, I believe he said he wanted to get to 45 years ago. And so that could reach that milestone and, uh, and, and say, see you later. And by the way, in the next two years, maybe there's another Super Bowl trophy <laughs> maybe it's number eight maybe it's crazy eight i, I can't believe there will be uh, i think what the bucks did was terrific but i don't know if they're duplicating it we'll find out but brady's going to try it for at least another year i wouldn't rule out a second year i think after 22 he's done i think that's it i i think uh the max he's going to play is another two years i don't see get it keep in mind giselle and his family they're like what else do you have to prove every time he wins a Super Bowl? Like They want him to be done, and uh, he still keeps coming back and playing. So uh, Maybe he does, but I would say right now my money's on Tom Brady going through 2022. He's got two more years left in him, so enjoy it, people. The greatest of all time, the quarterback position in the NFL, is going to play two more years, uh, I think. And uh, this latest extension, to help move money around, will get him to... Uh, that finish line with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'll give them three years with the Bucs, too, which, w- which would be a pretty good run for Tampa and a heck of an investment uh, by the Buccaneers. They never knew how this thing was going to work out when they made the plunge. And, uh, well, it's already paid off handsomely with the Super Bowl this past year. All right, we've been uh, talking about an interview that I did. This I did this interview actually, like, weeks ago, and we just haven't rolled it out. But I thought we were talking about Urban Meyer so much today that I'd bring it back. And, uh, and and reveal it <laughs> to you. <laughs> this is not like the royal family interview, coos. Um, it's it's a little bit different than that. It's Greg Fry. Greg Fry played quarterback at Ohio State. He it was from the Cincinnati area. Urban Meyer was a volunteer coach in uh, at, at his high school in Cincinnati to kind of kick off his career his coaching career he then would be a grad assistant at ohio state when greg fry was like a freshman quarterback in columbus well greg fry still around the columbus area he mentors quarterbacks and um he's involved in some broadcasting as well and i had the chance to catch up with him recently about the hire of urban meyer and what to expect and where it all started from meyer here's my conversation with greg fry Well, let's go to Columbus, Ohio. Greg Fry, former Ohio State Buckeye quarterback, joins us uh, right now. And it goes a little bit deeper than that. Not just an Ohio State Buckeye quarterback, but spent some time around Urban Meyer back in the earlier days. I think it was 1985, St. Xavier in high school when Urban Meyer was a volunteer coach. You were a senior in high school. Is that correct, Greg?
2: That is correct. Uh, I was a senior quarterback at St. Xavier, and uh, Urban was coaching the defensive backs. Uh, at Saint Xavier, but he was also spending a lot of time uh, with my good friend John Savatello. Now I say good friend, but he was our offensive coordinator at the time. And uh, John has told me some stories where Urban would come to his house, and they would just watch a lot of film. And and um, you know, uh, Urban was very interested in what we were doing offensively. And I will tell you that um, we were for 1985. We were doing some stuff nobody else was doing. And uh, I to me, I think that really planted a seed because we had a fun offense that year. We threw for a bazillion yards. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And I, I tend to ask people like a trivia question, like, you know, where did Urban Meyer get his coaching start? And most people think, you know, they see Bowling Green or Ohio State, and they don't know that it started at St. Xavier, because uh, he just, I believe he just graduated from UC, in Cincinnati, but a little bit of minor league baseball, and then got his coaching start at St. Xavier.
0: How about that? And then the next year you go
2: to Ohio State, and he ends up being a grad assistant there, uh, right? I mean, so the early days? He did, and uh, and there's a story there too, which I, I never knew until, uh, Urban and I played in a golf outing. Uh, it's probably been six years. It was actually in 2014, in May of 2014, for a fundraiser locally, and uh, we played together for six holes. And and he says uh, he goes, "Do you know how I got the GA job at Ohio State?" I said, "Well, no." He said, "Well, the, the coaches were, uh, from Ohio State were down recruiting me, and uh, but they also needed a graduate assistant. So they talked to our head coach, Steve Rasso, and you know." conversation back and forth, handshake deal. We need we need a guy. You want to be the guy? I said, yes. Shook hands. Uh, and the coach even told him, he said, look, you know, we need an offensive GA or a defensive GA. Tell him you want tight ends. Whenever Bruce asks you when you go up there, tell him you want to be the tight ends. And that's how it went down. And uh, I had no idea until he told me that, you know, years later.
0: How about that pretty cool story, a little background on Urban Meyer and, and Greg Fry with us, uh, former Ohio State quarterback. And it started at St. Xavier. You, you, you mentioned defensive backs what he played uh, at Cincinnati, and then he starts coaching there, moves over to tight end. But it, you know, at Florida especially, becomes known as an offensive innovator and what he did with Alex Smith even at Utah. How do you view him as a coach? I mean, is he an offensive guy? Is he is he just this CEO type? I mean, how would you label Urban a, as a head coach?
2: I mean, he's he's grown and matured. I mean, he's, he's a true head coach, but it, from an offensive standpoint, um, he is brilliant. And I, because I was coaching high school football in the early 2000s, and I was watching a lot of Utah film because I was really, um, just really curious as to what he was doing and why they were having so much success. And, you know, like any other coach, I was an offensive coordinator in high school. I was borrowing plays. I'm like, I'm using that, <laughs> I'll use that. Um, so even back then, I remember uh, just, how ahead of the game he was, and he just kept innovating, kept innovating, kept innovating. It really, I think we got the Florida's where it really got fun because he had some great talent, and um, he just he knew how to maximize uh, the talent with his creativity. And, and I, you know, I, to me, he was a trendsetter uh, in the game of college football. The way that he helped to change offensive football.
0: You know, I read a lot of stuff about Urban, uh, you know, going back. Again, we have a familiarity a little bit from the Florida days just down the road here in Jacksonville, and obviously we saw what he did at Ohio State and what he's become. But if you if you look back and, and you spend some time in his hometown, the word intensity comes to mind. I mean, it's just the word I keep hearing. By the way, brilliance another one that I hear, too, from a coaching standpoint. But intensity, intensity, intensity. It, it, is that what you see even when you're in a golf cart with him at a charity golf tournament?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um... I've not met too many people that are more intense than I am competitively. Um, Earl Bruce was one of them, and Earl was obviously, you know, one of my mentors. I, I, I believe Urban would probably say the same thing because Earl is the one that ended up hiring him at Ohio State and certainly helped him along the way in his coaching journey. Um, not, I mean, I count on one hand the number of people that are more intense than me and Earl Bruce, and, and Urban would be on that list. Um, you know, when he came to Ohio State, people asked me, well, how's Urban going to do? I said, well, Urban's going to win. <laughs> because Urban has decided that he is going to win, and he will find a way. And It may not be pleasant sometimes to be around him in that in those cases, but he will will it, and it will happen. And, and it did. Obviously, they went you know 12 0 the first year, uh, and his track record is really second to none. Uh, but I will say one more thing that you know he is very a very intense individual. But I also, what really caught my attention when he was at Ohio State was his ability to continue to learn. And there's some great coaches out there. I, you know, I've, I've been a host, high school coach. I've analyzed. I've been in the media, obviously, for years. There's a certain percentage of coaches that think they got all the answers, and I, it's probably a lower percentage. But when you won what three national championships, you, you got a lot of the answers. But Urban's the type that he continues to grow and learn, and he did that uh, at Ohio State. And one one thing in particular he did, he, he reached out to a good friend of mine, Tim Kite, uh, in the 2013 season. You've probably heard of Tim, and in the leadership training that that he imparted, uh, that Urban allowed on himself and the team at Ohio State at the end of the 2013 season into the 2014 season. And we all know what happened. The end of the 2014 season, they win the national championship. So to me, it's about Urban saying, okay, look, we got a lot of stuff figured out, but how can we get better? And because of that, you know, he continued to elevate his coach. And I believe that's one of the reasons that he will have success in the NFL because he knows it's a different thing. He's got, there's certain things he's got to do differently uh, but he understands how to adapt and grow and learn, and that, that's one value that he has in spades.
0: Greg Fry with us, former Ohio State uh, quarterback, spent some time in, in the early years around Urban Meyer as well, and you bring up an interesting point because I think especially here in the state of Florida, it didn't end well with the Gators, despite winning two national titles, which I tell Gator fans all the time, you should build a statue for them because of that, but it doesn't end well. They don't do well after, and so there's this perception of Urban Meyer but I don't think people have allowed the last part you just said, that he's grown, even matured. He's maybe different than he was even in 2006, 2008, 2009. When you see this stuff about Urban Meyer, this polarizing guy, the way I've labeled it after my trip is, if he's not on your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, I'm not sure you do. Uh, does some of this polarizing uh, labeling of Meyer surprise you? Do you, you think that's kind of just the way it is?
2: it doesn't surprise me at all. I think it is the way it is. I mean, when you have success in the United States of America, there's a certain amount of people that are, you know, not going to like you Or, you know, once, you know, they want, they want to see the fall. Um, yeah. And when the way he left Florida, just it wasn't all clean, obviously, um, you know, and, and look, he has some issues at Ohio state. Every coach, to me, every coach is going to do that or have some sort of uh, things that you could draw on as negatives. But I think it, from urban's perspective, you know, again, I'll go back to, he cared so much about his players. You know, he, he's going to be hard on you. There's no doubt about that. Um, and again, I'm, I'm referencing really college players at this point. Uh, very tough on them, but also love them. And I, I, I relate back to the way Earl Bruce was, you know, when I played for Earl Bruce, I mean, I could probably use the word, I disliked him greatly, <laughs> but I respected him so much. And I knew at the end of the day, he loved me. And Urban is just like that. Uh, he and Shelly are tremendous with players. Um, I don't think that's going to change at the NFL level, although, you know, there's not as much I would call babysitting with NFL players uh, as there would be with college players. But at the end of the day, he truly cares about the players and the team. Um, he may come across as so driven that, you know, if you're not in his focus, you don't like it because he's not looking at you or paying attention to you. But that's the way he's wired. And, you know, that will turn some people off. But at the end of the day, he does care. I think that's important to know.
0: I'm going to let you go, but let me ask you one question outside of Urban Meyer. You are a quarterback by trade. You train quarterbacks even now. uh, You tutored and mentored Brady Quinn, of course. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looks like he's coming to Jacksonville. When you look at this guy play football, uh, it's hard for me to find anybody to say anything bad about him. Will you be the first?
2: (laughs) No, I won't. I won't. Uh, You know, I'd say uh, he stepped on the Buckeyes plenty of times uh, until the last game here when the Buckeyes got the best of him, but you know, I, I'm very impressed by what he does. Uh, I, I watched some film of him this year. You know, as Ohio State was getting ready to play Clemson, I had some extra time. Um, I really broke the film down as much as I could, and I was so impressed. Uh, you know, he's just so sound fundamentally. He gets the ball out of his hands. You know, and at the NFL level, you know, you got to be a drop-back guy. you got to get the ball out of your hands, and there's nobody better than that than Tom Brady, and Tom's not the most mobile guy, and he'd be the first to tell you that. But he understands i got to get the ball out of my hands, Which, you know, comes with a mileage of pre-snap reads, mileage of film and just time and reps, et cetera. Um, and there's no doubt Trevor Lawrence, I'm not going to compare him to Tom Brady, but, um, you know, certainly his track record so far of winning, uh, and playing, you know, from a standpoint of excellence at the quarterback position is there. So clearly a top prospect, you know, and I, I would think he'll do well at the next level.
0: Greg Fry, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks for chatting a little bit about Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. Be well.
2: You got it. Thank
0: you, Brad. That's Greg Fry. That was a good conversation. Fun listening to kind of the early days of Urban Meyer, his thoughts now and how that has evolved in Urban's career. Obviously, spends uh, he's up in Columbus, so has been around Urban Meyer and the Buckeyes and has had a career with Ohio State. And then even his thoughts on Trevor Lawrence. So We appreciate Greg Fry taking some time to chat with us about Urban Meyer, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and what's to come with Trevor Lawrence as well. We're going to chat a little bit more about the Players' Championship. We have a solo leader. His name is Lee Westwood. He leads the 2021 Players' Championship after 36 holes, at least 36 holes for him. We'll see if anybody can catch him before the night is done. Good play out there by Lee Westwood, 6 under, 66. Our coverage all week long from the Players' Championship, sponsored by Talent Wealth Management. We'll be back. On Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690.
2: Austin Lane. Are we on right now? or not. Like our screen? I guess we're good. Brent Martineau. Yeah,
0: you got to go all the way. Yeah, we're back. Thanks for your concern. You're welcome. Uh. (laughs) Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690.
2: We've got a hell of a lunch table there. Players lounge. Just decided to sit down and join Rory and I. So collectively, four people sitting at this table, myself, Rory, Henrik has just left, and Tyrell, 29 over. How you doing? Oh, what a bunch of Muppets.
0: That is Ian Poulter. You know, Ian Poulter's a guy I didn't really, I don't know, As a, I, I get caught up in the Ryder Cup stuff, and so Ian Poulter, we're in Ryder Cup time, you don't want to like him. But later in his career, you appreciate him. He is just so outgoing, he's funny. And that was on Instagram, and he was sitting with Rory McIlroy, who had a rough day on Thursday, and uh, others. And they said 29 over par. It was a bad day, but they were drinking it away and having some dinner uh, after their round. So pretty light stuff there from Ian Poulter. Brett no back here at the Players' Championship. Half hour to go here on our show, but we'll lead you right into the weekend on TV, CBS 47, Fox 30. Don't forget tonight, ACC semifinal. For Florida State against North Carolina, try to get a little revenge from that bad second half from a couple of weeks ago. You can hear it right here on ESPN 690. Virginia is out, so uh, that part of the semifinal isn't even happening. Uh, but uh, Florida State with a chance to get to the ACC championship game, essentially had a triple bye because Duke is gone. Kansas obviously out of the Big 12 as well. You've been hearing that today on the updates. Pretty wild what's going on in these conference tournaments, and we'll see if it stays that way going into the brackets in March Madness over the next couple of weeks. But you can listen to Florida State basketball right here on ESPN 690. Starts at 8 o'clock. Live Local Loud will lead you up until that tip is at 8.30 between the Tar Heels and the Seminoles. Coos, let's play a little audio roulette. What you got?
1: Okay, first one actually kind of on that is uh, Carlos Boozer, who's talking about the situation for Virginia.
2: I feel bad for these guys. Virginia's the top team in the conference doing great. Uh, They were rolling as well. Now they don't have a chance to win the ACC Tournament Championship I do believe they still have a chance to play in the tournament. They have to have five or six, seven days of negative tests with at least six players, I believe is how it works. But we'll fine tune that a little bit later on. But I just, you know, it's, it's tough when you earn the right to uh, compete in a game and then don't have the chance because of COVID. Now, first and foremost, you know, I hope the kids are okay. I hope the kids are healthy. Hopefully they're asymptomatic. They're not going through anything really bad medically. Um, that's first and foremost. But on the basketball side of things, just so bad these guys can't compete.
0: That's Carlos Boozer, and listen, I do too, I just think it's the nature of it, they are going to do whatever they can to get this in, this is one of those situations where I kind of felt like sports was in this way, and it didn't really come down to this, but it doesn't matter who's playing, you know, they're going to play, because NCAA wants the money, and the rest of the schools want the money from this, it's a big deal, for places like UNF, and Jacksonville University, and so many across the country, it's a big deal they play this tournament, so... Uh, However they need to get it done, there's going to be some bad luck involved here, and there's going to be some big teams that probably get bounced because of COVID. But if you have at least five players ready to go, you can play. That's what the NCAA is saying, five players. And we'll see – now, that's a huge disadvantage, of course, but if you can field five – you can go, and so uh, very interesting to see Virginia and now Kansas and some of these other teams, and, and it's going to continue to happen. This is not going to be the isolated incident here uh, in these conference tournaments. It's going to happen. Something is going to happen where somebody's going to basically lose a game because of COVID nineteen. Coos,
1: and it keeps. Uh, I keep going back to to Austin when you guys play the guess who the voice is game, and you know either one of you get one that's kind of a cheap one, and Austin does that. You feel good about that because you know like FSU moves to the next one but they didn't get to play and so it's always kind of like it does it cheapen it a little bit if you get to go to the next round but you didn't have to compete for it.
0: Yeah, I think it will. I th- I think it does but at the same time if uh well let's just name a name a school. Um let's name Siena. If Siena makes it to the, right. the the NCAA tournament and they win and they get to the they win their first game and then they win and they get to the Sweet 16 because a team couldn't Yeah participate i tell you this i'm sienna and i'm in the sweet 16 baby and i don't <laughs> yeah. care how i got there what mm-hmm. it hurts more right now because teams trying to get into the tournament don't have the opportunity like duke would have had to run the table and they don't right. get the chance to get in and now they're not going to get in their resume is just not good enough yeah
1: so next our, up all right yeah here's a uh, lewis riddick talking about uh trey lance
2: As fantastic as Lamar has been and obviously he's been a league MVP as fantastic as Josh has been with the improvements he made in his accuracy this young man Trey Lance up here at North Dakota State, look I think he is ahead of both of those guys as a pure thrower is concerned. As a guy who can really do everything that you need a quarterback to do not just running the football but throwing the football. Really taking charge of the offense from pre-snap to post-snap changing protections, making audibles going from pass to run, run to pass, getting them in the optimum place. Look I think he is light years above where people believe he necessarily is because of the fact that he played at a lower level of competition. I think people are slighting him in that way.
0: That's a little Riddick. I don't think people are slighting Trey Lance because he played in lower competition. We've seen enough quarterbacks come out of there. I I don't think that's it. I think the reason why they might slight him, and this is probably unfair to him, but it's circumstantial. And One is, he played one game last year, and it was a show-me-showcase game, and it wasn't really that great. But because of COVID, they didn't play. And so it's been a long time since we've seen him on a football field and really had a chance to evaluate since his name popped up so heavily on the radar. The other thing that hurts him, I think in a subconscious way, is the way things have worked out for Carson Wentz to this point. There's split views on Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz came from that, (laughs) came from North Dakota. And so, again, it makes there's no correlation necessarily. But I just think subconsciously, I think we lose favor in a guy like Trey Lance because of that. We're going to talk more about Trey Lance uh, on Monday when Austin comes back. He's got some ties to North Dakota State, and so he has a little more intel on that. So I held it off today. But based on what Riddick says, this kid's a top prospect, a great prospect, top ten pick. He's there for a reason. Now, who's going to take the leap for him, especially since he didn't play last year? I think that's what's going to hurt him more—not the skill set, not the tape, not the everything else—the fact that he didn't play last year, and maybe that simple correlation subconsciously to Carson Wentz and the way things have gone for Carson.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know one of those things. That was the one that I saw a lot of tweets going off because you know he was he was doing his thing today, and Urban Meyer was not there, and I guess a lot of people were upset about that. That's why I brought that up earlier in the uh, in the day.
0: Yeah, well, tell them to settle down about that. Urban (laughs) Meyer was here at the Players' Championship talking to us instead, and he's got Trevor Lawrence He doesn't need Trey Lance.
1: Deal. Okay, so this audio from John Kitna, actually on a podcast. I don't know if you've heard this yet.
0: There was a time that I played a game with a guy that was drunk in the hook. There was a time that a guy showed up late to a game in the NFL. You need to be there two hours, two hours and 15 minutes ahead of time. And, uh, And he showed up under an hour before the game, and he started. Those are weird things now. That's tough.
2: I'm sorry. I, I can't. I got to go back to the drunk guy in the huddle. Did everybody know <laughs> the guy was drunk? Did the staff know? Or were you just like, whoa, dude? You smell like rumplements?
0: I'm not sure if the staff knew, but I think the guy was like, you know, that was kind of his normal. So, I mean, I mean, he was drunk and had close to 200 yards receiving
2: now. So it was crazy.
0: Well, wait a minute. <laughs> that's John Kitna. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Now, and I don't, I'm don't. i going to be a little careful to make light of this, because while it is kind of like, holy cow, is he really like that did happen? I believe that has happened, does happen and could happen. And the reason I, I wouldn't have said this 10 years ago, but we watched what happened in Jacksonville with Justin Blackman mm-hmm. and the story around Justin Blackman. And there are many, but he had such an issue. With alcohol at one time and uh, he could still we don't really know what justin blackman's up to he's out of the league of course but he would still show up to meetings and practices and all of that on time like 99 percent of the time and so he either hit it well or could function well and still make it and then when he played he played well and i'm not i'm not trying to insinuate that justin blackman played drunk what i'm trying to tell you is Some of these guys are, like, able to do that. Like, it might not be as far-fetched as you think. And so, uh, you know, some people have – I'm sure people have been high playing before, right, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, whatever it might be. I I would think that would be a very hard thing to do if you're drunk, if you have alcohol in you, uh, especially a significant amount. But, like, I'm not laughing this one off because I think it's probably been done by more than one. Uh, whether it's practices, games, and others, and we've seen the situation pretty much up close in Jacksonville as well along the way.
1: Yeah, I was, you know, I heard that one, and that was my first thought. Is I wanted to ask Austin if there was ever a time where he thought, you know, someone with him, them on the, you know, field potentially was.
0: Yeah, I, I bet the answer to that is yes. Maybe not direct alcohol, but it could be something. a guy was high, you know, or something like that. I, I think certainly, I would mm-hmm. say the answer. I don't want to sit here and tell you that nine out of ten people in a huddle. I've seen that before. <laughs> right. I, I just wouldn't be astonished if it's happened more than once.
1: Uh, okay, so this will be the last one here. Uh, here's Patrick Ewing talking.
0: I do want to say one thing, though. They, I, I thought this was my building, and I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, accosted, asking for passes. I, I, everybody in this building should know who the hell I am, and I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. Like I, I, I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? I'm going to have to call Mr. Dolan and say, geez, is my number in the rafters or what? That's Patrick Ewing. That's kind of how I feel around this place, TPC Sawgrass. I mean, doesn't everybody know who I am or what? Uh, Patrick, yeah, that was an interesting one. I tried to see a little bit of the fallout coups, and I didn't get much of it on social media. Uh, it, it sounds bad the way Ewing says it.
1: Yeah, but I and but, honestly, I think most people were on his side, though, at I least agree. from what I heard. And it was more because this isn't the first, you know, retired... Next player to have a situation like this. So it was more just being mad at Dolan again. I, I
0: think you're right. And that's why I want to be careful with that. I think when you hear that, you're like, oh, my gosh, this thing's this guy's egotistical. <laughs> yeah. And this guy's, a, well, you and, know,
1: and in the time of day, it was like right now with COVID and everything like that, so like there might be even more heightened security. So, like, that was my first thought. But at it, the same time, they should know who he is.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it just does say something about how you treat your players present and past because. There almost should be, hey, if this guy ever walks in the the door, ever, in this facility – like well, you you better know who he is right and, like, and you better not stop him and you know and if you do stop him sure you could laugh it off Patrick you would say you don't know what I mean, my name's in the rafters, Raptors right. but I think you're right I think it's a bigger picture thing with that place with Dolan with everything else and trying to exacerbate the point that it's all messed up it's still it's still not where it needs to be
1: well and like say you know I was trying to think of like if that happened here locally like say Maurice Jones drew walked in and it maybe some new intern that just doesn't know or something like that did it I think it. It would just be like a one-off thing, but because this has happened numerous times with other players, I think it's like heightened and people are paying more attention to it.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I put, uh, I, I'm trying to think of something. Like, if you walked into the building, Coos, right, and you've been here now for eight, nine years. Yeah. And the people at the front desk didn't know who you were. You'd almost kind of go like. Really? Like, I've worked yeah. there for, like, eight to ten. You know, like, you naturally would do that. I think Patrick Ewing, you do that on, like, steroids because his name is in the rafters. He's Patrick Ewing, <laughs> right. for look, crying out loud. He's seven up. feet tall. Look up. You can see my, my jerseys <laughs> up there. And, and he's he's kind of unmistakable. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought I was going to have initially when I saw this, I was like, what the heck? And then I thought about it more. Like, you know what? Probably has a pretty good point, the way he's saying yeah. it. And, All I, right, I, well,
1: and I think if it was any other team, any other, like, situation like that where it's only happened once, maybe that's how this is interpreted. But because it's the Knicks, I think it it was taken a little differently.
0: For the next 20 to 50 years, however long it takes, don't ever ask about Trevor Lawrence. That's Trevor Lawrence, okay? His name's going to be on the Pride. He's going to be in Canton, Ohio. Around here, don't ever ask who he is. You don't need a badge for Trevor Lawrence. See, it works the same way. It's a good lesson to be learned from Patrick Ewing. We'll be back from the Players' Championship. One more update on the leaderboard. And I do want to finish with... Are you rooting for Bryson DeChambeau this weekend? He's a couple shots off the lead, right in the mix. Would you like to see him get a Players' Championship trophy? We'll be back live from the players. Our coverage all week sponsored by Talent Wealth Management here
2: on ESPN 690.